When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh-oh, nothing personal word of the day is, uh-oh, it's Tuesday, June 20th, 2023, as in, oh no, the Phoenix Suns are in trouble. We're following up on the Phoenix Suns story, the big trade, huge Bradley Beal to the Phoenix Suns, everything's coming up roses in the desert. Western Conference powerhouse, ready to unseat the Nuggets, all under the watchful eye of Isaiah Thomas. If you are a fan of the Phoenix Suns, you are saying, uh-oh. You don't often have players who have been traded who end up going on a media tour, and that's exactly what Chris Paul has been doing since the trade. It is a coincidence because he's promoting a new book that he wrote called 61, but it just so happens if you're traded and you're upset that you're traded, it's a note. It can be in an article, maybe in the local paper, maybe it'll be picked up by a national writer. Chris Paul finds out about trade via text message while on plane from his son. It used to be a way bigger deal if you didn't get to your players fast enough. You try to get to your players first. You assume you can do it before word leaks, but now it's impossible. Everybody's tweeting, everybody's leaking. You do your best. I think you do a preemptive to all players in the beginning of the season. Hey, it's very likely that there are people in this room who are going to be traded either during the season or after the season. We will do our best to contact you so you don't read about it, but we're not gonna be perfect because of all the damn leaks in your players association and our commissioner's office. This way you don't get in trouble. So it's not great that Chris Paul found out the way he did, but that doesn't get you a few minutes on Good Morning America. That doesn't get you on the McAfee show. You gotta have a hook. The book's the hook, but he had another one. Shame on me for not paying attention and not thinking to myself when this trade went down, how bad a trade it was for the Wizards, but also how the Phoenix Suns are gonna have a problem that Bradley Beal is not the answer to their championship dreams. How did I not realize that Isaiah Thomas was the mastermind behind that trade? How did it take Chris Paul going public on a pre-scheduled media tour to say, hey, it occurs to me that this was all Matt and Isaiah. And if you're watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, there he is, Zeke himself, sitting next to the rich guy, new owner. What is it about new owners? We've generally talked about new owner-itis, but a part of new owner-itis, like a subset, is 
sometimes really famous players, former players or executives, they get their meat hooks into people like Derek Jeter into Bruce Sherman. They get their meat hooks into people like the owner. You know, you wanna be close to power. It makes you feel rich and important. And if you're not good at your job, but you're really good at what you think your job is and you think that your job is just to have the ear of the owner because then you've got the power, then for me to say Isaiah Thomas is not good at his job would be a mistake because all Isaiah Thomas wants to do is feel like he's in the room where it happens. All he wants to do is usher in the Ishbia era in Phoenix and reclaim his reputation as a harasser, as a executive who ruins teams and can't win, all because of his jealousy and anger. I think it all goes back to the Jordan trauma. It's just me talking here, but I think it's all about that. All about him not being on the 92 Barcelona dream team. All about trying to spend your entire life thinking that you've been shut down or hammered or disrespected. Those people who carry those grudges and that bitterness, and if you don't have the skill to back it up, and it turns out to be a mix of just bitterness and incompetence, there is no worse set of ingredients. Isaiah Thomas is equal bitter, incompetent, and predator. The irony is that Ishbia took over a team and the only reason he was able to buy the team from Robert Sarver is Robert Sarver was kicked out of the league for a toxic workplace, for a culture that was untenable. Isaiah Thomas comes in, but don't worry. He has zero operational responsibilities. He has zero people reporting to him. He is just an appendage of the owner, a dotted line on the org chart in a bubble by himself. He's Coca, just there, floating around Metal Arc, not sure what's happening where, or me. The difference is Isaiah Thomas is dangerous for your on-field product and for your off-field culture. Why Chris Paul, who I take to be, I don't know Chris, but I certainly take him to be a serious man. I take him to be intelligent. He's involved in the union, involved in CBA negotiations. You don't take on that job if it doesn't interest you, if you don't care about the players, if you don't care about your sport. You don't take it on if you're not able to understand what to do, unless in baseball you're run by Scott Boris. But in Chris Paul's situation, I absolutely give him all the credit. But why go scorched earth after you've been traded? Shouldn't you be happy if you're on a team where you know Isaiah Thomas is involved and you know that means that your team can't win and you saw what happened to your team, how they're not even close to the Nuggets and now they bring in Beal at your expense. I just found the whole thing to be half PR and half concerning that Chris Paul would do it but then it got completely overshadowed when I said, uh-oh to myself and realized that the Phoenix Suns are in trouble and the fans don't realize it and Ishbia doesn't realize it. So the way this ends, because it always ends, it ends in tears, losing and separation. 
When owners come in, they need lifelines. Steve Cohn needed Sandy Alderson. Some sort of lifeline, someone to show them the ropes, someone to listen to and to help them. It always ends with the owner getting solidly implanted as an owner, understanding, not necessarily changing, but understanding what they're doing and then moving on from the initial, the way Sherman moved on from Jeter. Ishbia will move on from Isaiah Thomas, but not yet. And in the meantime, the Phoenix Suns are stuck with $700 million of payroll with four guys making 350s and a 30 for three years with zero chance of getting out of the West. And so you have to ask yourself, how long will Ishbia stay with Thomas? And the answer is, he will ha stay with Thomas until Thomas proves to be exactly what everyone knows Thomas is, which is incapable. It is no surprise that Ishbia has denied Thomas has any involvement, despite all evidence to the contrary. Why would he want to acknowledge that he has someone with him who has a past of exactly the issue that existed with the Suns, where Ishbia's main focus when he took over was, we're starting over. We are gonna be an exemplary organization. We're gonna be the number one on and off the court. People are gonna wanna be us. We're gonna be best in class, best in show, best in the West, best in the league. Isaiah, did I say it right? Are we good? We got Bradley Beal, we got Kevin Durant. Keep going, Isaiah, what's next? It's absurd to me. Uh-oh, let me give you another uh-oh. We're gonna carry this all the way through, Coca, because we got three uh-ohs in a row. Yesterday, we had three back seats in a row. I think we have three uh-ohs in a row. The New Orleans Pelicans are having meetings right now as the NBA draft is upon us in 48 hours. It's on June 22nd. There is huge, huge drama over the number one pick. It is absolutely up in the air. No one knows who it's gonna be. The San Antonio Spurs are keeping it very hush-hush because they have not decided, do they go overtime elite? Do they go with that guy, I can't remember his name, from France who's decent? Maybe they go with a guy named uh, Coors Whatever, they're keeping it very quiet. So we have to tune into the draft to see what happens. But one of the things that we are watching for, if I get one, Coca, I'm just telling you right now, if one person tweets me at David P. Sampson or is in your chat room saying, are you telling me that Sampson doesn't know what the Spurs are doing? Then I'm just bad at delivery and you can cut this out of the audio part of the show because maybe it comes off on audio, but not on video or maybe video, maybe it didn't come off at all. Yes, I know it's Victor. Criminy. But what the Pelicans are doing right now is deciding what to do with Zion Williamson. As a reminder, Zion Williamson was the savior of New Orleans. They won the lottery. They drafted Zion. This guy was going to take over basketball. He was gonna be better than Barkley, better than Jordan, better than LeBron. This guy had hops. This guy was the full package 
Nothing wrong with them. It turns out it hasn't worked out quite that way. What Zion Williamson is, he's Greg Oden. He's an injured player. I'm sure I said the last name wrong. I always say it wrong, Coco. He is a number one pick who has never done anything. Now, he had a streak last season where I thought he's going to finish top three MVP. Lost that way to see. When he's on the court, he's terrific, which is usually the case for a top pick. It's not like you become a top pick because you're a bad player. But Zion Williamson has not proven at all that he can stay injury-free. And now there are distractions off the court as well. The craziness that's going on with the woman he's having a baby with, with one of his girlfriends, who's now threatening him to release a sex tape, blackmailing him, extorting him, whatever it is that is going on. They're sitting there in the draft room right now and they're wondering, is this really possible? Do we have to live with this? Is there any way that we can get out from under this Zion extension that we gave him that we shouldn't have given him? So there's two ways you go about it. You tell other teams that you will talk about Zion, but that you're gonna have to be absolutely blown away by an offer. We used to say that everybody is available for trade. Some are more likely than others to be traded. But if you wanna make an offer that's too good to refuse, we are here for the team, for the name on the front of the jersey. We will take a look at it. We used to make pitches like that to other teams. Other teams would make pitches like that to us. It is rare that a sort of a pitch of what you think is a poach, a pitch of a poach rarely works. But in New Orleans case, they have to decide, are they going to cut the investment to Zion or are they gonna see if everything that's happened prior to this year is done and he will turn into a productive, healthy player? There are rumors out there, Shams, who is the king of the insiders in the NBA. There is talk about New Orleans loving to get the second pick from the Hornets. And the Hornets smartly leaked out, we would rather have Brandon Ingram than Zion if we're gonna talk about the number two pick. And the Pelicans are saying, we would rather you take Zion, but we want the number two pick. But the whole purpose is to keep the good ones, to keep Ingram. So what I'm watching for now is whether or not he could be traded and whether I would trade him. My answer is, too many times I traded players at the low a year too late. It's a differentiating factor when you're evaluating front offices, when you can figure out when to trade someone a year too early or at the exact right time, or when players who you trade end up not performing versus players who you trade becoming MVPs. It's a skill nobody bats a thousand. Find me every Hall of Fame executive and I will find you trades that they made that were bad, signings that they made that didn't work, draft picks they made that didn't pan out. Totally normal. The reason I wouldn't trade Zion now is I can't get any team to recognize what his value could be 
if he can turn the corner. Problem. If he never turns the corner again, and he is not a productive NBA player because of injuries or because of off-field distractions, then anything you can get is fine as long as you can shed the money. So the question is, do we shed the Zion money and risk that he becomes a perennial MVP candidate? Or do we shed the money and root for him as they would for him to flame out and continue to have the issues? Or, and this is what they end up doing, do we give him George Michael? George Michael, who you know I love, died too young. I miss him every day. I listen to his music every day. One of the things that we would say to ourselves often is we'd put on the George Michael song, one more try. This is going to be the moment. It's like one more game, one more start, one more at bat, one more try, one more attempt to show that you can be play a full season, not be injured. One more try. It's such a separator. If you keep giving one more try, you're going to be wrong one of the times. I had this conversation, total side note, Coca. I had a conversation with a person I used to work with who is a modern Orthodox Jew, Jew, an amazing, amazingly smart man. And we worked together for a very, very long time. And one of the things you do when you're religious, I do not do this, I am not religious in that way, is every month you get the moon and you bless the moon. You do a blessing in front of the full moon and you have a period of days that you have to do it. And the theory is that you will not die in the month that you bless the moon. And my thought to him always was, why do you do something where you know at the end you're gonna be wrong? One of the months you're gonna die. It's the only thing that's guaranteed that you blessing the fact that you're not gonna die is gonna be a mistake. To which he replied, but what if it's a cloudy day or you're in a place where you have no window? That may be the month you go. Everyone's got an answer for everything in religion. We're gonna talk religion after the break, actually. But one more try is what I think the Pelicans will do. Run it back, hope for the best. The only thing I have to say to New Orleans is, uh-oh, story three, the Golden State Warriors. Uh-oh, is our dynasty over? What do we do about the pool green situation? I already have a wait to see on the book that Draymond Green or Jordan Poole, one of them is off the team. And if you're running the Warriors, whether you are Bob Myers who resigned or Mike Dunleavy Jr. who's starting, there's one thing you know for sure, you can't have Draymond and Poole on the same team. However, Draymond Green brings something to your team, a level of gravitas, his personality. He's the one who gets the guys going. He's the one who takes it seriously, dirty or not. He is the one. He is now a free agent because he turned down a player option. He had a $27.5 million option for this coming season. He and his agent got together and said, guess what? His agent is Rich Paul. We're gonna get more than 27 and a half million and we want the right to talk to all teams. 
Draymond Green reminds me of a more mature, which is hard to imagine I'm saying that, a more mature Dennis Rodman, where when he's not on your team, you can't stand him. When he is on your team, you do not want anyone else as a teammate. He's that good. What are the Warriors going to do? Are they going to offer him an extension that will be an unreasonable extension or now it's a deal in free agency? Does Draymond Green want to go play with LeBron, his friend with whom he's vacationing right now? Does he want to try to bring that level of championship grit to the Lakers who already won a title with AD and LeBron? Does he want to go to a team which competes does he have a relationship with Isaiah Thomas? Maybe he goes to the Suns and have the Suns take down the Warriors. How do you say goodbye to Draymond Green if you're a Golden State Warrior? And the answer is, all dynasties come to an end and your core, and I'm thinking back to when the Yankees won three in a row, they had the core of Andy Pettit and Jorge Posada and Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera. And I'm missing a, maybe it was just those four. Maybe there's a fifth. There is player turnover on all championship teams. The Warriors have had player turnover, but their core has been their core, which has been Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. If you keep your core together, as they age, and Draymond Green is 33 years old, Draymond Green cannot be the player he was. What he could turn into is a Udonis Haslam, someone who is on the bench, in uniform, a conduit between coaches and players, like a player coach. Do you think Draymond Green has the personality to be Udonis Haslam? Udonis Haslam is one of the great personalities in our game, in the game of the NBA. Do I think he should have had a roster spot for all these extra years? No, I would have put him in a suit, but he didn't want to be in a suit. So you do it as a gift, but roster spots are important in the NBA. But that said, you cannot undervalue what Haslam meant to the Heat. Green has got to position himself as that. When he's in the free agent market, he cannot position himself that he's going to be effective and impactful until he's 36, 37 years old. Not going to happen. He doesn't have that kind of game. You already saw it last year. He's a different type of player. Spurts of greatness and long periods of time where it just sort of disappears. But what always was there was the presence. So that sounds like I'm saying two different things. When I say disappears, I'm saying disappear from the offensive flow, shooting up threes that are not, he's not hitting them properly, not able to get up and down the court the way he did. But the presence in the timeouts, the presence for motivation, calling out his team for lack of effort, all the things that Draymond can do, that's helpful to a team. But at $27.5 million and he wants more now? I just don't see that happening. He is not a max player by any stretch. Maybe a three-year, $75 million deal would be a gift if someone gave that to him. It would be a pay cut this year, but overall higher dollars than just the 27 and a half he's guaranteed. There could be a team out there who does it, but it won't be the Warriors.
I don't need to repeat the wait to see because you know one of Draymond or Poole will not be a warrior. Clearly, it was not going to be Poole, which means I meant Draymond. So as he goes into free agency, we will find out actually what owners think he's worth, what it is to have a player of that championship pedigree, what it is to have that leader in the clubhouse, but what it is to have as a potential distraction because he comes with that too. But his time in the NBA is not over. Podcast notwithstanding, TV analyst work notwithstanding, he will be in uniform next year without a doubt, and it won't be with the Warriors. All right, when we come back, we're going to do a segment on a movie that you asked me to watch, a documentary you asked me to watch, and then we're going to talk about something that happened with the Braves that one of you asked me about. We're going to get to both of those right after the break. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca, every day, 8 a.m. live. Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Thank you for downloading the show. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about it. Send in to the Lebitard show, how much you're enjoying, nothing personal. Make us the biggest podcast in their universe, why don't you? All right, I, I keep giving me suggestions on movies. I watch a movie every day. For those of you new to the show, I watch a movie or a TV series, part of a TV series, something. I ingest content every day. I watch Shiny Happy People, Duggar Family Secrets, a miniseries. I started when I saw Shiny Happy People. I'm, this is an age thing for sure. I forgot to mention this pre-show, Coca. When you saw that the documentary was called Shiny Happy People, did you immediately sing R.E.M.? Am I the only one? Shiny Happy People. It's this sort of saccharine song from R.E.M. and Michael Stipe. Anyway, that was in my head. Here's what I knew about the Duggar family. Nothing. I had some recollection that there were a lot of kids and they may have had a TV show. Nothing. No knowledge of what happened to the oldest son. No understanding of the cult that they were in. No realization about the abuse that was taking place. Nothing. This documentary taught me and confirmed to me something that I want you to take away from this show. As our fourth uh-oh, here's a sure sign that you have a problem. If there's a man in charge of you who's telling you that he alone should be hanging out with your wife 
Uh-oh. If there's a man in charge of you who tells you that you and your family should not be engaging with the outside world, uh-oh. If there's a man in charge of you who is super rich while the other people around you don't have money, uh-oh. How are people still falling prey to these religious cults. Jim Bob Duggar has 19 children because it was told to him by an incel that you gotta have as many kids as God will give you. So keep going. Six, 12, 18, 19, 19 kids. You get the usual grocery store part of the documentary where they buy out Costco or whatever grocery store they're in. You get them moving into a bigger house and you get them on a TV show where TLC is in the business of exploiting these families. Just so we're clear, the Kardashians have been exploited willingly and become billionaires over it. The Duggars were exploited every which way they turned. The cameras were rolling while people recognized that they were involved in a religious cult where abuse of children was happening and no one gave a flying rat's pituitary gland. Nobody. That's the number one uh uh-oh. Not money or wasted money or wasted talent to your team, which stinks or trades, which are bad, or you hate the president of your team. Uh Uh-oh is when kids' lives are in jeopardy. Their level of trauma is such that it will never be solved. They can be in therapy for the rest of time. And what these Duggar children went through as being part of Jim Bob's family and what Jim Bob did with his boss. There's no coming back from it. Is it money? It ain't faith. Is it a belief in the umbrellas? If you've seen this, you know what I'm talking about. If not, let me explain it. You're taught in this cult, you gotta stay under the umbrella. And at the top of the umbrella is man, If you stay and serve men and your man, your husband, your leader, you will never have a problem. Under the umbrella, servants. That's the next layer. You serve God, you serve the man, the people who are above you. And then the third umbrella is poverty and abuse. Just stay under the umbrella and you can be the victim of abuse without having any money. Congratulations. How do you like our umbrella now? If you're asking why I've got a thing against cults when I'm also a Darwinian, where I believe in survival of the fittest, so therefore I should encourage cults because if people are stupid enough to be in them, then they get what they deserve. Much like I think when people are stupid enough to do certain things and all of a sudden, hey, let me take a selfie with a moose. Oh my God, I got eaten by a moose. See you later. I'm Darwin. 
Hey, let me see if I can take a selfie right on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Ah, oh, shit, I'm falling 4,000 feet. See you later. Does that sound harsh? I don't mean it to be harsh. I'm not wishing death on anyone. But man, there is no cure for stupidity. The kids were the exploited ones. Signing documents without knowing what they were. In some cases, having their signatures forged. Also, the father, Jim Bob, could have his TV show and make his money and be a part of this cult and inherit the cult from a man who was single. Why have kids? I'm telling you to have kids. I don't need to have kids. Abusing girls. I can't tell if I'm asking you to watch it or not. You're going to have to decide for yourself. It's called shiny, happy people. Nobody is shiny or happy. All the people are either greedy or victims. Uh-oh. Hey, we got a fifth uh-oh. This is amazing, Coca. Did we plan this? Go ahead, play the music. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get into my DMs while you still can, David P. Samson or at, write a review on Apple, do something. Ask me a question, and maybe I'll answer it. Hey, David. Hey, what's shaking? Would love to get your thoughts on this. If you are the Braves, why not just wait one more day to designate him since you already had the first pitch planned? Thank you for asking that question, though. You got to give some context to it, though I knew what you meant. But for the listeners out there, there was a pitcher for the Atlanta Braves named Charlie Culberson. Charlie Culberson, I think is 34 years old. And Father's Day, which was Sunday, two days ago, happy belated to myself. <laughs> Charlie Culberson, the plan was that he was going to catch the first pitch on Father's Day, and the pitch was going to be thrown by his dad. Except, Prior to the game, Charlie Culberson got designated for assignment. They didn't do it Saturday night. That's when you usually designate is after a game. Clear out the locker, get the new guy in ready for the next day's game. Charlie Culberson was designated Sunday morning and the Braves had to cancel the first pitch from the father to Charlie, his son. They gave it to Michael Harris's father to throw it to Michael Harris. But the question is, what happened? My job as president of the team is to make sure that I know what's going on in the organization. Make sure that the different silos are integrated and talking to one another. In-game entertainment. They are responsible for the pregame activities and for what you see in-game on the Jumbotron. There's a whole department of people. They work with the corporate sponsorship people because there are certain sponsored segments. In the middle of the fifth, we're gonna have the sausage race. At the end of the seventh, we're gonna have find the missing ball underneath the hats. We're gonna have the in-game host in section 325 in the sixth inning, giving away a t-shirt, asking a trivia question. There is a run of show. Every baseball game, every sporting event is an actual show. There's a script. 
everybody knew that Charlie Culberson was catching the first pitch. Totally planned. Someone from PR goes into the clubhouse at the request of the marketing department and in-game entertainment and says, just mention this to Charlie, that we want him there, have his father there, great honor. The baseball department gets CC'd on the script. And I can tell you from experience, they don't read it. They don't care what's going on in between the fourth and the fifth inning. They're not watching the Jumbotron. They don't care about it. If they're going on TV or if there's gonna be a shot of them in their box that we want to have, we'll tell the GM when to be in his box or when he's supposed to go to the booth. But in terms of what's happening pre and post game and who's throwing out first pitch, they don't care, they don't focus on it. My job as president is to make sure there's communication and make sure that when something needs to be focused on, it is focused on. No players getting designated without my knowledge. The minute they bring up that they're designating Charlie Culberson, I would have brought up, hey, he's catching the first pitch. And they would have said, so? And I would have said, you're right, we can't not do this. We need a roster space. There's a reason we're designating him for lack of performance. He hadn't pitched in a while. Or for he was next online to be designated. We had to take him off the roster. Oh, Christ, we got to tell him about this first pitch thing. We're going to look terrible. Baseball department, that's your problem. My department, myself. I go to marketing. Hey, here's what we're going to do. We are going to have this changed or we are going to see if Charlie still wants to catch the first pitch. We're going to make it his choice. So what I would have done as the Braves president is I would have approached Charlie. He would have been designated. I would have said, but you are still welcome to catch the first pitch from your dad. Would you like to do it? He would have said, screw off. We would have said, fine. We would have put Michael Harris in. And then I could have said to the media, I am not gonna get in the way of our baseball department operating the team. We are not gonna have decisions made based on an in-game entertainment or commercial or first pitch or anything. However, the timing was rough, but we gave Culberson an opportunity and he said no. Charlie Culberson, by the way, is not a pitcher. I don't know why I said that. He's an infielder. Sorry, Coca. Thank you for that correction. That, now I know you're still around. We still have eight minutes. Do you have eight minutes in you on this random Tuesday? So that would be my answer. My answer is I wouldn't have waited one more day, but I sure as heck would have given him a chance to still do it. And then I could have said to you all, hey, he had the opportunity. It's not my fault he didn't want to do it. No problem. That'll do it for Charlie Culberson. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had the Twins and Pablo Lopez over the Red Sox. Red Sox, huge letdown after the Yankees series. Not. Pablo Lopez wanting to pitch well to show that his team made the right decision by trading Luis Arias, who had another five-hit game. It's all going to work out for me. Not. We're 96 and 94 as the Twins over the Red Sox was a loser. Tonight, we've got a game we're gonna watch. If you have not watched Tyler Glasnow pitch, he's been, he had been injured, he had the Tommy John, he's been out for a year, maybe two years, was the best pitcher on Tampa. He signed that interesting deal that helped him rehab and delayed his free agency by a year. 
He is going tonight against the Orioles. I'm fascinated by this series, the Rays-Orioles series, and I'm fascinated by it because the Orioles, inside their clubhouse, they are saying, let's do this. Let's show Tampa that we can catch them. Forget worrying about the Yankees in the rearview mirror or the Blue Jays in the rearview mirror who got their ass kicked by the Marlins last night, by the way. But let's take down the mighty Rays. Conversely, you've got the Rays saying, hey, let's just make sure the Orioles know that there's only going to be one low payroll team that's going to be successful, and it's going to be us. Tyler Glasnow and the Rays over the Orioles. When you have an opportunity to do what you think is right, do you always do it? When you have an opportunity to go left when everyone's going right, to zig to everyone's zag, does it make you feel independent? Does it make you feel like you're taking the road less traveled? Does it make you feel principled? I like that when people make decisions going against the grain. I am sticking to my principles. Ray Davis is the owner of the Texas Rangers, and he's chosen a pretty funny way to stick to his principles. The Texas Rangers, who are having an amazing on-field season, where there should be zero distractions. The DeGrom distraction's over. He's done. We're not talking about him anymore. This team is winning. This team can win their division in their almost new ballpark, unseat the Astros, an amazing story. Sometimes owners are so crazy and so prejudiced and so homophobic and so clueless that they just don't care. You can advise an owner however often you advise. Hey, you are gonna look bad here. Don't care. Listen, Ray. 29 teams are doing Pride Night and we're not. We've got a problem. Our players want it to be done. Our staff want it to be done. And the only reason we're not doing it, Ray, is you're not letting us. This is if I'm president of the Rangers. You've got to allow it. Ray Davis said, are you kidding me? A night to celebrate people living like that? Forget it. Not doing it. But Ray, why? Don't ask me why. Why do you think they need a night? I don't care what the other 29 teams are doing. Forget it. I don't care that we've got people in our organization who are L or G or B or T or Q or plus, or if that's what it's even called, not interested. How do I know that Ray Davis is culpable in this decision for the Rangers to not have pride night? as the only team in baseball. Because Ray, if someone's watching this who knows you, if you were not aware that you're the only team not doing it, then you need to fire every single person who works for you. Every one of them. Because they are making you look bad. They are hiding things from you that they should not hide and they are furthering their own personal agendas, not for the betterment of the team. Do you think that's possible? Or the other side, which is everyone went to Ray and said, please don't do this. We're begging you 
not to be the only team not to have a pride night. That sort of decision has to come from ownership alone, not the president, not the GM, not the manager, not the senior VP of marketing or community relations. Only the owner can make that decision. And I will bet you dollars to donuts that Ray Davis has made it very clear that he will never have a pride night. Baseball's in a bit of a sticky situation with this, aren't they? They are sending the All-Star game to Texas next year. Part of a deal when you get a new stadium, you get an All-Star game. Not the year it opens, you wanna get the kinks out, you wanna make sure it runs okay, then you get an All-Star game. Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game in Atlanta because the players weren't gonna go, do you remember that? Rob Manfred had no choice but to pull it, it became a very big thing. Baseball wants you to believe that they are all about diversity, they're all about equity, they're all about inclusion, but then the commissioner will tell you, we can't tell the owners what to do. We did a segment about Pride Night and about having pride on the uniform where the commissioner himself said, let's not put players in a tough position. You wanna do the Pride Night, do it, but don't alter the bases or the uniforms or the hats. Now baseball's in a situation where they are putting their jewel event, their non-postseason jewel event in a stadium with an owner who clearly has something against LGBTQ+. Should baseball pull the All-Star game from Texas? Would they ever pull the game from Texas because of an ownership view? Absolutely not. There is no scenario under which the All-Star game will not be in Texas in 2024. Ray Davis can be whoever Ray Davis is. He can be the worst person in the world. Great movie. He can be worse than Marge Shot, which he's not. Well, reigns to be seen. You're not pulling the game. And the reason is that you have to further the narrative that 30 owners run their teams separately, they make decisions for themselves on what they wanna do in their ballpark, on the players they wanna sign, on the money they wanna spend, who they wanna honor, unless it's Pete Rose and gambling. Do you see where I'm going? Baseball steps in when they want to step in. They make all teams do something like retiring Clemente's number but when it comes to pride or when it comes to other issues like that, it's far better to stay out of the political fray where maybe it's their responsibility to actually be in it. Maybe your responsibility as the commissioner's office is to save owners from themselves because it comes up more than you realize. But for the commissioner's office, they look around and they say, ah, he'll deal with it. It's just business. Sorry for everyone who's offended. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.